Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for that journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Uh, These mentors include, usually on the first uh, Thursday of the month, it's Alan Fox. The second Thursday of the month, it is Coach Chuck Reese. And then the rest of the month, well, actually within about a two-month period, you'll hear people uh, like today's mentor, Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, other people that you will uh, hear on the broadcast might be Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, uh, Coach Scott uh, Williams, uh, Dr. Bryce uh, Young, uh, Ed Krast, uh, on uh, Nick Saviano. Uh, usually within a two-month period, you'll see we rotate these people in there, but on those uh, other occasions, well, you don't know who you'll be listening to. It could be any high school coach or uh, college coach. And we've also been blessed to talk to uh, the executive directors of the PTR and the uh, USPTA. And we've also uh, talked to USTA officials in the past, as well as uh, companies that are producing Anything to do with the racket sports, uh, you will, you might listen to and find out something about them on the broadcast. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen anytime you choose to this broadcast or any of the other broadcasts, uh, like on uh, Wednesday's uh, American uh, Tennis with Chuck Reese. Or on Sunday, uh, Coach's Corner with Randy Blumenthal. I I would like to thank Yellow Ball CEO J.P. Weber for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, well, you're missing out on some useful information. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, Each Thursday, I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows? We may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously stated, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at net. That's coachdenise.fhstca at net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis. Or you may hear them on one of our Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings broadcast. It would not be the first time that that has happened. Uh, I'd also like to remind you that if somebody has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis Magazine from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, you can always find Jim Mart's articles and mine and other people as well on Facebook at FL Tennis. That's Facebook.FL Tennis. And also um, on the Instagram, you will find uh, Florida Tennis Magazine. And the magazine will be out uh, probably next week, uh, by June 10th, uh, the next issue will be out. Uh, It'll be a three-month issue because we're getting back to the regular routine, so this will be a summer issue, 
and then we'll be back to our normal schedule. A few years ago with the hurricane, uh, everything got thrown off kilter, and uh, uh, Jim Marks is trying to get it back together. As I promised before, I would do my commentary the uh, prior rather than after. Sometimes I get so engrossed with uh, mentors that uh, uh, time runs out. Uh, just to prove I'm not too old to uh, uh, change, I do preach what I uh, write. So uh, the May 30th commentary is, it takes more than love, it also takes courage. On most college tennis exploring, on most Coach Denise exploring tennis lessons, you have heard me say that I am an individual who has accumulated many biases, and shamefully, I don't try to hide it. I am a product of my upbringing and experiences, and my coaching has always reflected that. I do not believe that today a team coach needs to be uh, just a man of knowing whatever sports they're going, but they do need to now be a man or woman of courage. Besides family, one of the greatest blessings I've received was coaching team sports, first basketball and then tennis. The blessings of coaching high school tennis for 20 years was working for an athletic director who had the same goals as I did, and that being that building a competitive tennis team and looking to win in tennis and in life. Prior to high school tennis, my tennis work began with my son. I was the other John in the John Denise School of Tennis, and we are both products of the PTI were the influence of Dennis Vandermeer and the many instructional manuals, workshops, and seminars guided by tennis development. The USTA was also a major influence, introducing me to school the school system, volunteering and uh, running one of Florida District 15 local tennis excellent uh, programs, as well as through the PTR, USTA, a high-performance uh, coaching uh, program. Recently, I've been asked again, I get asked uh, quite often, truthfully, but I've been asked again, if I would recommend an accomplished teaching tennis professional to coach high school tennis. Truthfully, while I would never give up my experience and loved every moment of the 20 years of high school tennis, I do believe it takes more than love and time to coach high school tennis today. It also takes courage. While coaching non-revenue producing sports always presented a different challenge, primarily because normally coaches are expected to produce teams in a three- or four-month uh, period rather than uh, the normal pain of coach uh, for a whole season to be part of the uh, uh, school system. Uh, they use stipends and to encourage underpaid teachers to monitor the after-school activities. So team sports are really dependent on the community and the particular team sport to sponsor and assist the training of coaches and students. Being blessed with a supporting wife agreeing that we could afford reduced revenue to support our community high school, I accepted the challenge of being part of our high school effort to produce competitive teams and winning athletes. Each year during my tenure, though, I observed turnovers of coaches across our state, and less and less of those being replaced knew tennis or even knew its rules, and fewer were possessing coaching experience. Needless to say, each year I also observed more high schools where tennis was treated as an after-school activity uh, rather than a uh, competitive sport. It became obvious to me that tennis had succumbed to the pressure to produce better, standard, better standardized test scores 
rather than teaching the subject matter. And like many of those teachers who became disillusioned about not being able to teach the needed lessons for students to succeed in life, each year many of our state high school tennis coaches decided to join those teachers who left and because they no longer wanted to put up with the process that has changed our schools. Well, rather than take up our mentor Ashley Hobson time, I would recommend that you read my article in the coming issue of Florida Tennis Magazine and see if you agree with my perspective that it takes more than love to stand up to the decline of high school tennis and maybe even education system as far as that goes. It also takes courage. Well, it's your advantage, and that's my commentary. And I do see our mentor on, and uh, as I bring him in, I would like to also uh, say, Ashley, are you there? One second. Ashley, are you there? Coach? Coach, are you there? Hey, John, how are you? Good. Great, Coach. Listen, before I introduce you, I just want to um, let the people know. I did get a few uh, calls and contacts because I thought I explained last week. I don't take calls uh, over the broadcast. And truthfully, we're going on an hour later at 6.30 rather than at 5.30. And I didn't uh, state that in the introduction. And some people who called me up and wanted to know uh, where Ashley Hobson is. And uh, he is here now. But please don't call in uh, with your uh, question because if I don't know who's calling in, I don't uh, accept the uh, calls. And uh, But I will give everybody a chance. You can email me, like I said before, and maybe we will add to uh, Coach Hobson's uh, wish list for tennis. Uh, what your response? Uh, I'm always interested. Uh, like I said, uh, today's uh, guest uh, is Ashley Hobson, and he's a gentleman that's not only a great uh, coach with 30 years of ATP, WTA, and ITF, coaching experience in over 60 countries, but he's also coached uh, Davis and Federation uh, uh, Cup, and he was the Hong Kong uh, China National uh, coach for five years. So uh, I think if somebody could put together a list of uh, a wish list for tennis, uh, we're talking to the right person. Uh, I have been blessed to have known Ashley. I've asked him for his help before. Uh, he's uh, come to the national campus a couple of years ago uh, to coach our, um, instruct our high school tennis coaches in the state. Uh, he's a, a very given man. He's what I consider a mentor. A mentor doesn't always have to be somebody uh older uh, than you. <laughs> There's not that many coaches around older than me right now, but uh, uh, Ashley is one of their true mentors. So, Ashley, I'm, uh, I think we created some it, uh, interest in uh, your uh, wish list. Uh, we've talked about this at other times, but you put together 10 items here, and uh, First, I'd like you to just make a few comments yourself, and then I'd like to go into each one of these uh, uh, on the wish list and have you explain them to us, if that's good with you. Thanks, John. Um, thanks for having me, sir. Um, yeah, uh, when you asked me for you know to come on our talk, I was thinking of uh, things that uh, bother me in tennis, really. And uh, I think the tennis world has been in quite an uproar over the last six months. So um, I would, uh, you know, like to put forward this wish list for tennis. And uh, I hope uh, people comment and join in and uh, also, you know, give their ideas about, um, you know, what needs to be done in tennis. I, I wish we could 
um, form some uh, maybe social media groups. I know there's one out for you know change for uh, tennis. Uh, the uh, you know this uh, transition pathway tour, which the has recently been changed this last month. Uh, this sorry, this last week. Um, due to you know pressure from players and coaches and parents, so I think you know if we can bring uh, pressure to bear on the various bodies to improve tennis, um, that would be fantastic. And uh, uh, you know I so I wrote you this wish list of of top ten things. I think uh, you know it would be great for changes to happen in tennis. Well, and I think that's uh, so important, and I. Uh, my commentary today was about coaching uh, high school tennis, and I think besides taking love uh, to be a good coach, uh, I think you do need courage. And I think, uh, you know, uh, you have to be able to address issues that uh, you might be in a minority right now but uh, if you really believe in them and if you don't get them out and we don't hear both sides of an issue, are we going to really be able to do anything? So uh, let's go to your first one is uh, have more players uh, making a living from tennis. Um, and why is that important? Um that this is my uh, you know my, uh, number one because it you know the closest to my heart. Uh, we have created this um, this uh, tennis industry, and uh, we have uh, 150 players, maybe making a living. 200, you know, um, making a living in the sport, uh, you know, in men and women uh, mm-hmm. on each side. So, you know. I'm talking from a play development perspective um, when with working with young players. Um, I mean, we're really not giving them much of a chance. Um, what percentage of players become professional tennis players? You know, it, it's less than a percent. It's less than 1%, you know. So it's very, very tough to make it. And it's very, you know, it's discouraging for a lot of people because, and, you know, with the, world we live in i mean everything is very transparent and out there they see very clearly that you know you really can't make it you know and uh it's not it's very discouraging for people and you know when we talk about growing the game of tennis and we talk about you know the various avenues high school tennis you know uh, under 10 tennis and we just i think if we can just get a, a decent tour going on the men's and the women's sides where people can make a living and, and there's a chance for people, you know, that coming out of college, you know, you still want to play tennis. You're, you're 22, 23 years old. You went in at 18 and you're a good tennis player that that's not the end of the dream at 22 to, you know, 23 years old. Um, it's just uh, one as a, um, as a parent looking in, they can see, you know, there's really not much chance for you to become a professional if you really look at it very statistically. And secondly, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, you know, very, very expensive to uh, chase this, this, this almost one, you know, less than 1% dream. And then, um, you know, I think that, that that's one of the things when we say tennis is growing, when it, tennis is not growing, it's stagnating. There's just not enough people making a living from tennis. I mean, we have, you know, golf doing a better job. We have baseball doing a better job. We have way more soccer players around the world. You know, what is tennis? The third largest sport in the world. And we have so few people, you know, making a living from it. I think it's soccer is the is the most popular sport in the world. And I um, mean, yeah. you have over ten thousand people making a living. You know, and a very good living too. Um, it's just it's uh, and the, with the amount of money that's being generated by the the Grand Slams and uh, you know the tournaments through you know TV rights and sponsors and uh, it's really just it's very very skewed towards the top uh, couple of uh, you know top players and um, you know even then I mean really from uh, you know, 150 down. I mean, that's just such a small percentage. If you think, you know, there's you know thousands of players trying to be professional tennis players. 
Well, number you, you kind of went into your number five on that list with the Grand Slam tournaments uh, giving back to the game financially. Yeah. Would you like to just expand on what you were just talking about? <clears throat> well, you know, the Grand Slams, uh, Australia, uh, the French and um, Wimbledon and, and the U.S., uh, they make uh, the largest um, uh you know they've got the largest prize money, and then they make the and then they have huge profits coming out of those four tournaments. Um, I, I'm talking back, uh, you know, ten plus years, and when I had the stats on stats on hand, and I was really, I'd written an article this with my with my former coach. Um, why can't more players make a living off the tour, and why the Grand Slams don't give back? And at that time it was less than 1% was given back to the ITF, you know, and the ITF we are charged with really growing the game on a global scale um, are making a um, less than 1% was given back to the ITF, you know, from the Grand Slams. And they're just really funding their own associations in the U.S. and Canada, you know, U.S. and um, England uh, and, you know, France and uh, Australia. Um the, you know, I think it should be more equitably distributed, or maybe, uh, you know, distributed to you know see the U.S. Maybe North America a little bit, South America and Australia more in the region, you know, and uh, you know maybe France would give you know give give more opportunities uh, to 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 other European countries, you know. I mean, it's a global mm-hmm. game, but it's a global game. But those four countries are making tremendous profits, and they're not. Plowing it back into the global sport, right? And uh, I, I do know the there are a couple of um, administrators in Asia who have brought this up, and they want a fifth slam in Asia, you know, because they see that the you know the benefits of a Grand Slam. I mean, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars being able to be pumped back into the game if you could have a a, a big event as a Grand Slam, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't, we're definitely uh, missing the boat there. There's no two ways about that. And uh, and we just if we could just get people to have open discussions. And uh, I, I, I don't, I do believe most of these people are good people in these positions, but we just, uh, we, the problem with any governance, uh, when government gets too big, we we don't have people just listening no more. We have them telling this is the way it is and why is it that way. Well, it's always been that way. <laughs> you didn't answer my question why. <laughs> I know how long it's been that way, but why? And uh, unfortunately, uh, we just have to keep pushing that. Number two on your list is uh, something that I was very impressed with because you said increased uh, playing opportunities for players on the same level. And you uh, gave an example where we're going with that. And that uh, example, and that, well, I'll let you tell, and then I want to make a comment on that. Go ahead. So number two really was, you know, to increase playing opportunities for players on the, on the same level, whether it's UPRs or, or professionally, you know, um, and I'm, I'm really talking about um, America when we're talking about this, because in Europe, um, the opportunities to play are way more professionally and at uh, at, at the same level uh, with tennis Europe and in the ITFs and in the professional um, tour um, on the uh, on the uh, on the European side is, is is very much easier to. To get good tournaments and compete, you know, um, right. we we don't we have a very fragmented plan here in the US and um, and uh, even professionally. I mean, just uh, with this new transition tour, it really um, hindered 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 the opportunity opportunities even more. I mean, in Europe, you know, you can get to another country and another tournament within the space of two or three hours, you know. In the U.S., you're traveling several thousand miles to get to the next tournament, so it's very difficult to um, to to have you know strong playing opportunities here. Yeah, and I think the the problem. I mean, I think the what UTR is going to do 
uh, with that rating system. I mean, there's no need that uh, for a 15-year-old to have to play another 15-year-old. They they want to play somebody that's pretty uh, equal. So you have good competition. I think the more people play and they're competing and they're not getting it, there's not many people that go out and they get killed ten times in a row and then come back and they say, I want to be a, a tennis professional. I want to play tennis in college. They, we usually lose them. And I, and I think this is a good example of if you keep pressing something. I know, God, at least seven, six, seven years ago, I fought this for three years in a row with the uh, – Florida High School Athletic Association that we should adopt the UTR rating system uh, rather than the USTA because uh, the, the USTA system just wasn't efficient. People, if they could afford to travel, they could get accumulate points. Once they got enough points, they stopped playing. Uh, I, I think um, the UTR system, which now I understand as of last week, is going to be uh, adopted and pushed by the ITF, not only with their uh, professional, but on the amateur uh, level. You know, it was just, to me, it was common sense, and it was hard enough to sit there and talk to high school coaches that didn't know tennis or didn't know how to keep score or didn't know what the rules was, and then to have the governing body, the FHSAA, uh, which had part-time people, uh, they argue with me that they're not part-time because they're just they're there year-round. But for three months they'll cover tennis, and then for three months they'll cover soccer. And they sit there and they won't uh, discuss it because they don't understand how it works. And when you give them all the information, they don't look at it to study it. And their position is, well, the USTA is going to give us cases of balls if we use the USTA. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I and just, now we yeah. finally fought that enough where now it's come. So don't give up, folks. Would you like to say anything more on that before we go to three? Yeah, I mean, John, uh, what you said there is, uh, you know, a lot um, – is uh you know people very much look at you know face value of things and uh you know even just um people aren't discerning we have a lot of knowledge but there's often a lot of discernment with the knowledge that's given you know people don't dig deeper and see well hey is this the truth you know is this what really happened you know um so you know they take a lot of stuff on on face on uh, just on you know looking at it for the first time and on face value without digging deeper and discerning you know the depth of something you know so you know it's our culture today and it's um the you know society we live in but you know we we need to dig deeper and we need to see what what really really happens or really is the truth you know um i think there's just way too much of just uh we we are in such a rush to do everything we pay um attention just to the uh the, the the face value or the first you know piece of facts we are given without looking any deeper I'm, you know my uh education is a, as as a lawyer and i i really when i look at stuff I, I know i look at it differently than most tennis coaches look at stuff just because of my education as a lawyer and it's just it's just different and it's i would just wish people basically would look at things more deeply and be more discerning of, of the facts, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's great to have emotions, and there's not many more people more emotional than me. I plead guilty. But it's nice to have that, to, to, to develop that emotion after you study an issue and you study both sides of it and you now can sit there and analyze that thing, not on just this is what somebody says, and it could be somebody you respect and love, but uh, you know, there's always, there's always at least. Uh, I think Jim Barts told me when I started writing for Florida Tennis Magazine that uh, uh, remember there's at least two sides of an issue, and there's probably a third side. So uh, 
Uh, I think that's important what you just said. Uh, I love the three because we just finished uh, a three-part article in uh, Florida Tennis Magazine about our problems with American uh, uh, college players. And if you watch the uh, uh, the NCAA event at the uh, Lake Nona, uh, the one thing absent there was American uh, players. And you have a solution that says, uh, cap foreign players on a college team to fifty percent. Yeah, um, we we talked on this program a few months ago, or maybe a year ago, and uh, a couple of coaches called in with that and said, "Well, we would have no teams if we did this, uh, especially the women's teams, because uh, apparently uh, girls tennis in America is not producing as many college level players." And then the second was that, you know, the, the American players didn't uh, appreciate it or deserve it or, or work as hard as the foreign players. So I did hear that, those those viewpoints. I just think that um, um, being being an, being an American and, and uh, being a uh, somebody who, who cares about, you know, American tennis, uh, we really need to look after um, – American tennis, and I think uh, we we need to cap the amount of players coming in. Um, it, it might be hard in the beginning, maybe you know the first couple of years would be very difficult. We struggle to fill the rosters and that, but I I just think it's <clears throat> it just needs to be done. You know, it's just taking care of something for the long term um, benefit of, uh, of of tennis, and uh, you know, going back to number one. Play, more players making a living from tennis. If we can provide more scholarship opportunities for, and and show that for um, American players, I think we'll have more players, you know, eventually playing on the pro circuit. Um, you know, I, I have a girl, the number one girl from Alabama, is starting to train with us now after NCAA's, and we, you know, she is, um, you know, there's there's just no backing at all, and um, I just uh, I think uh, she had a. Uh, you know, would have had um, better opportunities, you know, if this had happened over over the course of time that we have more American players playing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, two-sided sign, but I think for the long-term development, especially for American tennis, uh, we, we, we'd, this is the way to go. I think, you know, we've, we're looking at short-term results all the time, and I'm just thinking, you know, down the line, long-term, we need to cap it at a certain percentage of players, you know, being, being, being from America. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I know one of our problems would be uh, simply one of our strengths is not patience uh, uh, as a tennis professional, as a coaching professional, you, you know, that all the time, uh, uh, when you when you've been around as long as I do and coach people and I I get parents come up and they have their uh, child uh, at four years old and they're ready to coach you. I've got a great tennis player here. You got, why don't we give them a chance to uh, you know have some fun and you know we have uh, my wife runs a nice tenant on their program. Uh, oh, don't you think private lessons would be better? Uh, so we're not, you know, we're we're in a hurry. We watch TV shows and they solve problems in a half an hour or an hour. And uh, uh, that I, I agree with you. I think that's a great idea, capping it at 50%. I think the problem is, you stated it, uh, it's going to take a little time. And I, I just, uh, I don't think that's one of Americans' uh, strengths is patience. So, uh yeah, I, I'm not arguing that it doesn't belong number three on your list. I think it does, but that might be a long fight. Yeah, but again, we're, we're you know I think we're, we're the fight would be with the, with the actual coaches in college right now because they're going to struggle if they're you know if they have to get American players and then you know also I just think you know there's too much college tennis. There's too much just rolling out the balls and. And, you know, the kids, uh, the players just scrimmaging and, and competing a lot. I mean, I hear this all the time. Players coming back from college and say, hey, 
wow, you're going to work one-on-one with me. You, you're going to, you're going to um, video me. You know, I, this never happens. It's just rolling out the balls and scrimmaging, scrimmaging, scrimmaging the whole time, you know? So I think this will put the onus back on, on the, on the college coaches are actually being out there and, and doing more than just, you know, having a scrimmage against each other all the time as well. So I know I'm not saying popular stuff, but it's the truth. Well, another thing that's not popular with management, and I think it's probably popular with coaches, at least most of the coaches I know, but I don't know um, about the parents and everything, and that's your fourth. Uh, there is preserved the scoring system. Yeah, um, I'll go back to the this player who um, <clears throat> she just uh, was uh, played four years at, at number one in uh, in Alabama, and uh, you know I was speaking to the assistant coach, and first round she draws the player who eventually wins the women's title, and uh, she loses. Um, firstly, in the spring, she was playing, and uh, she uh, was playing three top. She played four top ten girls. She beat the one top, one of the top ten girls. The the other girl, three of them in the top ten in the nation. She was up a set and a break, but they called the match before she could finish her match. Um, so uh, she, you know, she couldn't get the win in, and therefore her ranking couldn't move. So she, her ranking wasn't moving because she, she wasn't good enough. Her ranking was moving because the matches were finishing before she could finish beating the players, you know, in the top 10. So she, would, she could have been seated at NCAAs, but she wasn't even seated at NCAAs. So this goes back to me, the format of college tennis a little bit. You know, how, how are you calling matches before everybody's finished? Yeah. And if you, yeah, you I know, had I, to, I, uh, just, my wife just, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean that was it's just astounding to me. I mean, you you works maybe ten years to get become a get a college scholarship, maybe six years if you a, a late bloomer, um, and now you're playing matches. Um, you know, twenty five, twenty two, what twenty five, thirty in, in the fall, in the spring, which you worked all your life your life for, and now instead of finishing your matches, um, you know they're getting they're pulling the rug out from underneath you when the matches when the when the matches clinic is clinched you know for for your university it just doesn't make it's it's not it to me it doesn't make any sense i know maybe for you know it creates closure but it it doesn't it it doesn't help those players that work so hard to get where they are you know Right, and those uh, that watched the uh, NCAA tournament, I, uh, Bobby had fortunately had to have some uh, surgery in her mouth, and uh, so we watched a lot of it on uh, television rather than going to Lake Nona. And um, you know, it happened there. One of that, that, I think it was a Georgia girl, I'm not sure, but was down five to one. And come and comes back, and I think it was five five. But there was a, a there was a, two or three matches that were never completed because somebody won. But I mean, imagine yeah. how disappointed that uh, here you are and you come back and you're uh, now trying to think up and your match doesn't count. I mean, it's you know. Yeah. And Bobby, Bobby saying to me, well, why doesn't it count? I don't understand. <laughs> Most people don't understand. It's the rules. This is why I say be careful, you know, with too many rules because, you know, it'll come back and bite you. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the same girl um, <clears throat> was up uh, was was playing, and she went down 4-0, and she says to me, you know, every game – Every the first four games were all to deuce and they were all decided on on a one point deuce, you know. And she said, mm-hmm. you know, the girl played great on one of them. She said, you know, the other one, the the other three, you know, it was, you know, it was in the, you know, it was just a a matter of luck, you know. Uh, she hit uh, she had the net court on one, and then the other one she hit the line on. On, on two others, you know. So I mean, I'm just like, it, we just got to keep 
the the integrity of the scoring system. I mean, this this uh, short set, and, and I'm going to another example of. I have a girl, a couple of girls who are going this weekend to play the uh, Mormons qualifying event for a 15k in Wesley Chapel up the road here, and they are they are playing sets to four. And this is a, this is the qualifying for for a 15k professional women's song. So I, I just I'm just and, and I heard that this happened for an ITF in in uh, in Europe, a Grade Four ITF where the um, the tournament director got rained out, and then they started to make all you know short set scoring to four. I don't know what the rush is to finish these tournaments once people have decided that you know it's a week long tournament and you, you know you've got to finish it on the day. I mean. It's just, it's everybody's just wanting to get finished and get done instead of just doing it right and maybe spending an extra day there. You know, um, I just think we're, you know, apart from all the other things about the scoring system, um, you know, we're trying to make tennis more interesting. We were, to make, we were trying to make tennis more time, you know, less time consuming. And, but, uh, I mean, we have... I agree that uh, we have to both, but um, I, I just really don't believe that you know, changing the scoring system is going to do all do all for that. I mean, golf hasn't changed their scoring system, and it's a pretty slow game, and it lasts a pretty long time. Um, I, I haven't seen the I, I haven't seen the uh, attendance for golf dropping that far, or, um, the TV um, coverage and sponsorships for, for golf dropping that much. So why, why why are we trying to change it so radically for tennis? It's a good question. I don't know. I haven't found uh, – I, I know change is difficult at times, but I believe it is necessary. But I'm change for just the sake of change or change for making it easier. I've never – I can't think of something that cha- that we've changed to make it easier that's made it better. I mean, we really did change to make things better. I could I could sit there and see, but uh, as a coach, you and I know there's many teaching educational values of the scoring system the way it was, and uh, just to change it so for TV, uh, I, I I struggle with that too, coach. I I don't uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was, I, I'm not a baseball fan. Have baseball changed over the last 50 years? Have they changed their scoring system for TV? Nope. Nope. Yeah. And they have more uh, opportunities, too. I have two grandsons. Uh, one's playing college tennis, and the other one will be next year because he was given a scholarship two years ago, which I don't like the way they push the juniors to accept, you know, they, they have to take the – scholarship now, but he took one to Manhattan College, so that's where he'll be uh, pitching at next year, and he just graduates next week from high school. Uh, my other uh, son and grandson uh, had a very successful all-conference uh, rookie of the year, and they were a pitcher. Uh, his uncle was a tennis player. His mother played uh, tennis in high school. His father used to come down here uh, before he was born to help me out with the John Denise School of Tennis with my better players. So <laughs> we're, uh, you, you know, neither one of them the great athletes, but they're not in uh, tennis. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um it's there our you know if we 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 need to have you know going back to one of mine <clears throat> things was you know to have a uh, you know like a commission of tennis you know for the game globally you know somebody to go around and to to uh make decisions for tennis like you know baseball has um i i, I solely think we need one to you know weigh up all opinions get them together maybe then like you know present it to um, you know, the ITF, the ATP, WTA, and have this commissioner, you know, briefed to do this. Um, tennis is just way too too fragmented. And, 
I, I think it, it, we really need to bring it together for it to grow properly and to, for it to grow, grow, grow well. I think uh, we've had too many people with uh, different agendas, whether it be, um, you know, um, whether it be gender-based or whether it be race-based, you know, have have gone on their own agendas to to pursue their agendas, but it always hasn't always been the best just for tennis. You know, I'm, uh, those um, uh, maybe those agendas are very very important. I understand, but I'm just talking purely on a on a platform for tennis. We need to have somebody that is a you know commissioner of tennis around the world and that can speak for all tennis players um, at the you know, major at the major uh, in front of the major players of the world. I I, I like that concept, and I, I put some notes down because I think that might be the hardest of all. But I'm wondering, what do you can? Let me expand, and you tell me if uh, yeah. if I'm way off base or not. Is maybe a way of approaching that. <laughs> Uh, is how do you know how do we get people to give up authority? But maybe if we had the USTA, the WTA, the ATP, we had all these organizations, all the heads of them were the yeah. ones that came together to sit there and says, okay, we need uh, a commissioner of tennis globally. Yeah. Uh, because exactly. otherwise, how do you choose it? Uh, I'm yeah. uh, selfishly looked out for the USTA uh, issues. Uh, you've traveled yeah. and coached throughout the uh, world, so you're more familiar with what's going on throughout the world. And I, I do like the idea you're looking at a global view while I'm looking at a U.S. I think we should have somebody in charge of that, you know, in the U.S., but the USTA sure. is not going to give it up. But maybe if the USTA and the WTA, and we take all these governor organizations from around the world, and we bring yeah. them together, you think that might be a way to get it done? Yeah, but, I mean, who's going to bring them all together? You know, that's why I put forward, you know, we have a commissioner, a commissioner of tennis who brings every together, you know, once a year, and uh, they thrash out all these issues, you know. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's tennis is too fragmented. We we don't have a, um, a you know a, a good. Um, I mean, this last six months has been an absolute disaster for tennis. I mean, you know they've cut they they've cut you know professional tennis they they cut off basically forty percent of people from playing professionally. Forty percent of people. I mean, it's not just you know five percent, ten percent. It's forty percent of people playing professional tennis, and there needs to be. You know, these people, I mean, they need to be uh, held accountable and they need to be asked, you know, why did we make these decisions? You know, the, the ITF said they did this huge uh, um, study and of 35,000 tennis players and their parents and coaches. I, I mean, I've, worked, I've done this all my life and I've, I've never heard of any study ever being, being put out there. You know, I never saw any study ever being put out there. So, I mean, we just need to come together and, and, and uh, maybe, you know, take a, take a look at, like, what, what, what sports are very successful globally. I mean, golf looks like they've got their act together. Um, I don't know what American baseball looks like, but we need to look, take a, a leaf out of, our, out of the other sports and um, maybe uh, create something like this. I mean, and, you know, coming, you know, further on, we're talking about, you know, these you know, I should uh, get get these out online, and we should start to put something together. And you know, this this force of social media is very strong. But you know, should we get this out online and start to try and push people to to you know go along these avenues, at least explore them, and and uh, and um, you know uh, think through them? Because I mean, what the ITF just did with uh, with um, you know, transitional tennis or low, lower level tennis was was just disastrous. Yeah, well, I agree. Actually, we only have ten minutes left, so let me ask you. I like yeah. to go through some of these other ones because I think you're on. You know, this is a great list, and uh, we'll make it available. 
But um, playing uh, and competing in tennis, making it more affordable, do you think that your number two uh, with the UTR, you think that's going to help accomplish that number seven, uh, making it more affordable when people can sit there instead of the approach we have now? I mean, I I think these. Uh, do you think this is going is workable or no? Um, you mean increasing playing opportunities, which will make uh, playing and competing right. more affordable? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I don't, you um, know, to sit there and put them in age groups just to me doesn't make sense. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think the UTR. Which really is, is it's it's what the the French have been doing for over twenty years already, you know. And uh, pound for pound, if you ask me, what tennis organization produces the most players? I mean, they haven't won a Grand Slam since uh, Yannick Noah won it. So, you know, it's been a long time since they won a Grand Slam. Well, more than the U.S., but they're producing players in the top twenty, you know, guys and girls just consistently. And that, to me, is a sign of a you know very healthy organization which are doing a good job, you know. And, and that's because the French have been doing this, um, you know, play by, uh, play by, you know, level, you know, and uh, they've been doing it for years. And, you know, another thing is, you know, the French country is pretty small and you can go from week to week and just compete in and out every week, just tournaments galore. And, you know, even come in at the quarterfinal stage, if you're a better ranked player, you know, and, um, we we just need to we we need to get on board and 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 get players competing in these tours and you know I, I wish the USDA would form their own like you know have a their own UTR tour it would be a great thing for you know for for the you know for for everybody not just you know have USDA tournaments just have UTR tournaments forget about the age groups just have them you know we can have a, a national we can have a national 14s every summer and the clays and the hard courts but right. um, you know just open it up to the UTR and also just let kids from all over the world play now, don't just you know in Florida here we just have kids you know from level 5 upwards that can play you know USTA tournaments they, they can't play the USTAs I mean just open it up and let everybody compete and play on, on, on the you know the, the UTR system you know, uh, you know, just like with, we're um, we want to close it maybe college tennis for U.S. players, but we want to on on the junior level we want to open it up to the world and allow everybody to come and compete, like they can in Europe. Competing in Europe, the ease of com- competition in Europe is way easier than in than in the U.S. I mean, the country of Spain. I was there. Uh, good 2011 that was the last time I was in Spain and you know they had 37 futures in in one year 37 and if my memory serves me right the US had like 15 to 16 futures you know this was 2011 I mean we've got to get our players competing way much way more and, and giving them opportunities to compete you know and the country is just so big we need to you know, maybe divide up into quadrants and have people compete. We, yeah, certainly, we, we have certainly have the resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excuse me. No, no, I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately too many people, um, you know, think uh, in recreation, you know, tennis is important, um, you know, but when I hear... Uh, the former head of the USTA Florida say, you know, uh, competition is not necessary. Uh, we need recreation. The growth of tennis is going to be through recreation. Well, uh, we don't have a background to prove that. I mean, uh, tennis hasn't grown. It's been declining. So, uh, and yeah. we've done yeah. a, I, I think the USTA has done a fantastic job of getting kids in and getting uh, – uh, people in the uh, you know ten and under programs and everything. Uh, it's a, it's a great uh, thing, the introduction to tennis. But for the people, if we don't get people to compete, I, I don't think we're going to grow again. 
Competition's not a dirty word. No, definitely. And you know, you know, recreational tennis is great, but it's it's very, it's like a country club. You know, it's it's very seasonal, and uh, you know, it really depends on, you know, how many people that you have. Uh, you know, competition is going to drive is going to drive growth. I don't I don't see recreational tennis as driving as driving growth at all. No, I don't either. And yeah. you can't even yeah. get the – and this is uh, at a meeting at the USTA Florida headquarters a few years ago. Uh, my wife, Bobby, who was on, on our board of directors too, you know, presented uh, that for high school players, uh, they, they don't – the USTA rankings, which they said was no good because not enough high school players – were uh, USTA members, so they couldn't get a ranking system. That's when I first suggested to UTR. But she suggested, listen, we give free membership to the 10 and under thing, and we've grown it great, and we've done a great job. And uh, she reminded me, don't make no plans during those six weeks she needed me because I can't afford a divorce, so I better be there uh, with her program. But you asked her, she said, why don't we give free membership to the high school kids if they compete, and that way we can get them. We'll get back to you on that. We'll get back to you on that. I requested three times feedback. Have you given any consideration yet on Bobby's thing? No feedback. We didn't get no response at all. So, I mean, we got to get people to at least get into the conversation with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this comes back to the Ukrainian Commission of Tennis. You know, um, I just think uh, that's the only way we're going to get people to get get into these conversations, you know? Yep. Well, Coach, let me, uh, because I want people to, if they know that they can contact me at uh, Coach Denise, FHFTCA, uh, net and uh, any questions or suggestions they have, maybe we can even expand this uh, list. We didn't get, we've got what, one, two, three items uh, we didn't uh, cover yet. But I would like you to spend, uh, if you would, the last couple minutes just talking about what you do uh, at um, uh, Inspiration Academy and programs you have uh, come in and uh, I will uh, let you know the response I get back and if we uh, uh, should add to your list. Yeah, um, one with, with regarding that list, I, I would love to. Um, I would love to move forward um, with that list and uh, you know try and uh, as as we're speaking here, John, I'm I'm being pretty fired up about it and uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to write to, to uh, Jim Martz and see whether you publish it and then we can move forward on this. But I think you know with the changes, there's this website called United Tennis, um, which and they created a lot of this pressure for the ITF to and the ATP and the WDA to change their you know the system which they decided for 2019 last year. So I think that we have a chance. You know, this, um, the world is a much more accessible place through this media. So I think we should really. I'd love to hear what other people's ideas are about um, creating some changes for tennis. But we're 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 in a bad place. I mean, we're down um, down a break in the first minute. We need to make some changes for tennis. Um, as you said earlier on, tennis not growing; it's declining, and there's 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 serious changes need to be made, and not just fluff and marketing, this real grassroots stuff, which makes sense um, to people that have done it for a long time and, and have been successful doing it too, not just have done it for a long time. There's a lot of people in charge who've done it for a long time but haven't been successful doing it. Um, so that's my first point. The second point is our ERI run at Tennis Academy in Inspiration in Florida called uh, Academy and uh, we have a uh, we have a nice little uh, 30 to 40 uh, player academy. Um, we've got a great thing going right now. We have, um, so we have the Bar- I have the Barbadian national um, team practicing with us. Um, Barbados, by the way, I used to work with one of their players, and he referred a couple of players over, so they're training with us right now. 
And uh, they're Barbados are actually in Group One of the Davis Cup, and they're playing Brazil in September. So have half their team practicing with us right now. So it's really been great um, for all our players. Well, coach, to we just uh, we never have enough time, Coach. We just killed the broadcast, and uh, it doesn't surprise me because you're so uh, unselfish. Well, you never gave the proper commercial for yourself. But I will tell the person, the people about it, and uh, hopefully I will talk to everybody. Uh, next week we have uh, Alan Fox on. It's the first Thursday. Uh, the Almighty Willing, I will be talking with everybody next week. Bye now. Thank you. Thanks very much, John. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.